Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. self-denial, cross-bearing, and a life of devotion. Self-denial, cross-bearing, and a life of devotion. So beginning at verse 21 in chapter 16 of Matthew. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Let's pray, please. Our Father in God, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And as we study your holy word, we pray that you be our teacher. Help us to understand what it means to deny self, to take up our cross, and to follow the Lord Jesus, living a life of devotion to Him. Lord, we thank you for the blessing of life, and we thank you for the privilege of being called your children. But so often, Lord, we 
Take that for granted. We pray forgiveness. Help us to be ever mindful of who we are and whose we are. The children of Almighty God. Speak to us now, Lord. We pray that our hearts will be open to your leading, to your teaching. Through the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So Jesus here describes some future events. If you recall, last time we looked at uh, the uh, earlier portion of this uh, chapter here, and uh, he had asked a question. They were over in an area where basically Gentiles lived, and there in that particular region, they had all kinds of idols and, and images of false gods. And so Jesus then asks the disciples, well, who are people saying that I, that is the Lord Jesus, who am I? And you'll recall they said, well, some say that you're John the Baptist and, and others, uh, uh, Elijah, and Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But then he, he then zeroed in on the disciples themselves and said, but, but who do you say that I am? And you'll recall that Peter stood up and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You see, in contrast to those false idols that are not living, they're not alive, they're dead. Jesus is the Son of the living God, and we serve a living Savior because He is risen. And then... Jesus begins to, de to describe future events that are, are going to occur in his life and, and that are a part of his ministry. And so he says that he must go to Jerusalem. And that there in Jerusalem he's going to suffer many things. From the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, it is from the religious leaders of, of his day. And in Jerusalem, it is an official rejection. Because we know that many of the people, many of the common people actually believed in Jesus. They, they accepted Jesus and they, they recognized Jesus. And they acknowledged him as the Messiah. Saying no man could do the things that, that this man does unless God is with him. And over in the third chapter in the Gospel of John we read Nicodemus is, is one of those who said those very things. He said, Teacher, we know, we know that you are come from God. No one could do the things that you're doing unless God was with him. And yet, there he's going to be killed and raised on the third day. Now, some believe that Peter must have become so agitated that he didn't hear what the Lord said in terms of his resurrection. That he only heard that he was going to be treated poorly, beaten and all of that, and killed. And when he heard that, he lost it. He lost it and didn't, didn't hear that the Lord also went on to say that he would be raised from the dead. Or maybe he was thinking of the resurrection down the road, the future resurrection. But in any case, 
Peter begins to voice his disagreement. Our second point here is that the Lord rebukes Peter. And why did he rebuke Peter? Well, Peter voiced very strong opposition. And he rebukes Jesus. Imagine, just a little while earlier, Jesus had actually complimented Peter. And Peter, when he spoke, spoke by the inspiration of God the Father. He said, this you did not discover on your own, but the Father revealed this to you, Peter. That is that Jesus is in fact the Christ, the Messiah. And sometimes people want to know, what's the difference between the word Christ and Messiah? They're the same, just from two different languages. Or actually three different languages, because Christ is English for the Greek Christos, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew uh, Mashiach. Now we pronounce it in English, Messiah, but it's in Hebrew it's Mashiach, in English, Messiah, but in Greek it's Christos. <laughs> but Peter, he begins to argue and fuss and he rebukes Jesus. Here he had just a moment ago <laughs> spoken with the truth of heaven, divine inspiration. And now he's going to correct the Lord Jesus. Well, there are a lot of people who like to do that today. Isn't that right? They think that God has it all wrong. He has it all wrong. As a matter of fact, there is a sect in in Judaism, and I've mentioned this once uh, once before. It's not recognized in Israel. They don't they don't recognize it. It's here in the in the U.S. and some other parts of the world. But um, the Jewish people primarily live in Israel and the U.S. Although there are some you know scattered throughout the world. But the two largest centers of Jewish population are Israel and the United States. But of course, here in the United States, they have this extremely progressive group, a different, a separate branch. They believe that the Bible needs to be improved and changed with time to keep pace with the changes in society. What is wrong with that? All kinds of things wrong with that. Yes. Yeah, creating God in our image. Or changing God's word to agree with what we say it ought to say. Well, many Christians are that way as well. Sad, but tragically true that in our country, and among what used to be very, very sound, staunch, devoted Christian denominations, so many are now watering down the scripture. They're watering down the truth at seminaries and colleges across the country. And just yesterday, our son mentioned to me, he said, did, did you know that in Indonesia, back in the 1800s, that there was a, a socialist revolt? And I said, no, I wasn't aware. 
<laughs> he said, well, it's not well known, but during that period of time, the socialists ruling Indonesia killed over 30 million See, we've heard of Stalin, right, in, in, uh, over in Russia. And Stalin was responsible for killing over 20 million people. That's what socialism does. And sadly, we have a generation in our country now who are embracing socialism because that's what's being peddled by the politicians. Peter said, this is not going to happen to you. What was Peter trying to do? Peter was attempting to get Jesus to sidestep God's will. The reason Jesus was born, the reason he came into this world, was to go to the cross and die. That was God's will for his life. He's the only person born with the express purpose of going to the cross and dying. That is why he came into the world. Now, he didn't come into the world because God had to come up with a, you know, an additional plan. We've said this many times before. No, the Bible says he's the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. Before God created the world, he had already made the plan that his son would come into the world and die as a lamb, a sacrificial lamb, the sacrificial lamb upon the cross, shedding his blood to pay the penalty for our sin because God knew what the human race was going to do. God made that provision. And Peter, like Satan, was attempting to dissuade Jesus from fulfilling that. You recall when Jesus, after he was baptized, driven by the Spirit of God into the wilderness, and he fasted for 40 days, the Bible says, and after, after the 40 days, then the tempter came, Satan, the devil. And one of the temptations was, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, all of these, all of these, I will give you if you will just bow down and worship me. And what did Jesus do? How did he respond to that temptation? By the word of God. Get thee hence, Satan. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. You see, Peter was doing the very same thing here. It's a lesson for us. Jesus says, you're an offense to me. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. There is a tendency for people to see things only from man or a human perspective and not from a heavenly perspective. All this, this confusion that's being, that's being planted all throughout, not only our country, but around the world. And we've said many times, God is not confused. Churches, individual believers need to see things from God's perspective. So what does it mean to follow Christ? Our third point here. 
It means saying no to self and yes to God. No to self and yes to God. Now, when I was in uh, high school and also uh, in the military, I wrestled. And so, as a wrestler, you, you, you have to make weight. You have to weigh in before you can compete. And so that means that you have to deny yourself certain foods and you have to eat a very strict diet. It also means that you have to, you have to ensure that you rest adequately. And you have to work out. So when everybody else is you know, out doing their thing, you have to be very, very disciplined. That is, you have to deny yourself certain things. And I tell you, the night before a match, when, you're, when you know that you're very close to not making weight, you can't eat. And it's a struggle because you, you need food to have your strength, but at the same time, you have to make weight. <laughs> and if you don't make weight, then, because there's usually enough time, you have to put on that sweatsuit and go run laps around the track. And hopefully you'll sweat enough that you'll lose enough weight so that you can weigh in. And then you have to compete after that. And most people are, you know, in the stands are underwear, they're completely underwear. Self-denial. Or how about this idea? That you could choose to read your Bible for an hour or watch your favorite program on TV. And that ought to be kind of easy, right? <laughs> you say, well, I could watch my program and then read the Bible. Self-denial. Self-denial is really saying no. No to self. And yes to God. In the Garden of Eden, Eve said yes to self and no to God. So did Adam. When the devil came along, he said, did God really say? Did he really say? Like people today say, does it really say that in the Bible? I remember when I was over uh, going to the seminary in, in uh, the Bay Area. It was the first time I learned they had a, a homosexual church. I said, what? What? And then there were those who said, well, let's not judge. Let's not. You know what? The Bible says it's wrong. The Bible says that it is sin. And it's the worst kind of sin, an abomination. They say, well, the Bible doesn't really say anything about that. We're, we're just fulfilling God's command to love one another. You see how twisted and how immoral and how evil and wicked that is? Satan, Satan, clouding the minds. People saying no to God and yes to self. 
Well, how about the ambitions? I tell you, at the seminaries, you meet all kinds of different people. And so many who have given up, they've given up careers to go into the ministry. I remember one, one young man, his name was uh, Steve Davis. Steve was a doctor of pharmacology. He accepted Christ as his Savior. And a few years later, he surrendered to full-time Christian service. And he went to seminary. He met a young lady who was from New, uh, from New Zealand. And when he finished seminary, he married this young lady, and they went to, to New Zealand. And as far as I know, he's still there pastoring church in New Zealand. Others, medical doctors, engineers, you name it, architects, they give their heart to the Lord and they go to the foreign mission field. And they use those gifts that God has blessed them with to serve the Lord, to honor Him, and to transform lives in the name of the Lord. What is it it is to to live your life in agreement with God's word and his will. And here's another thing. It's not optional for the Christian. Self-denial, is it's not optional for the Christian. Bearing one's cross, what does it really mean? Well, in Roman times, someone who was a convicted criminal and sentenced to death on the cross would be made to carry the cross to the place of execution. What this symbolized was that the individual had completely surrendered and acquiesced to the Roman authority. You see that picture? And then carrying that cross to the place of execution symbolized that they had surrendered to that authority. Have you surrendered to the authority of God? Surrender to the authority of God. Trust in God, not trusting in self. Following Christ, a life of devotion and purpose and power. And of course, that power comes from the Lord Jesus through God the Holy Spirit living and dwelling within the Christian. So, have you made any New Year's resolutions? And have you kept those that you've made, or have you already broken them? <laughs> well, it's easy to do, isn't it? It's so easy to do. A life of devotion. Now, if you haven't, if you haven't created for yourself a, a schedule that includes a quiet time, a time that you spend alone with God. I want to encourage you to do that. You will never grow as a Christian or grow into a mature Christian. And just because someone is 75 years old doesn't mean that they're a mature Christian. You need to understand that. 
Because the elderly have a tendency to think that they, you know, they've, they've been through a lot, they've seen a lot. But you may have one year's experience repeated over and over and over and over again. There's a huge difference between 50 years of differing experiences and the same experience repeated over and over again. Huge difference. But there are some 20 or 30 year olds who are far more mature Christians than some who are 75 or 80 years old. And wisdom, remember, comes from God. And it's not necessarily based on age. Wisdom comes from the Spirit of God. And if the young person spends time in God's Word and pray, they will grow and they will become wise. And so will an older person, if they'll spend that time. Spend that time in prayer and devotion and study. Then there's a promised reward. The promised reward. Both here in this life and in the life to come. The real you, the person you were intended to be. Are you the person that God intended you to be? If you don't know Christ as Savior, you are not the person that Christ intended you to be. No matter how successful you are in life, no matter how wealthy or famous or powerful or strong or how, how in shape you might be, etc., etc., if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you are not the person God intended you to be. And so, Christian, here's, here's a question for you. Are you the person God intended for you to be? person says to me, Cheryl and I were over in the Bay Area. I was invited to, to sing and to preach, I think. Sing and preach at this one church. The guy said, oh, well, you, you should be, you know, you should be a singer. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I am a singer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what he meant was, you know, full-time doing just the singing. I didn't say this, but you know, I thought it. Well, who are you? You're not God. You're not the one who called me. You follow? God is the one who, who calls us, and he gifts us, and he, he uses us to his honor and glory. How has God gifted you? And are you the person God intended for you to be? But you'll never be that person apart from Christ. Now, he promises an eternal reward for those who will deny themselves. That taking up the cross is a, is a daily choice. A life lived in devotion with purpose and power. And so what do we learn from this passage here? God's priorities are very different from human priorities. Very different. We were at a church 30-some years ago, long before this area was built. It was all desert. And down from where we currently live, there was a little section of property 
And at the time, we really, in our hearts, believed that the Lord wanted to build a church there. And so we, we talked with the church and the mission committee about sponsoring a mission. In other words, the church that we were at would sponsor a mission work with the hope and desire that it would grow into another, you know, a self-sustaining church. We really believe that that's what the Lord wanted done. And so the state convention said that they would help us fund it. And so based upon that, the church decided, yes, we'll do that. But then some things happened, and the funding was no longer available from the state. And so I mentioned that to the church, and so immediately they said, we can't do it. We can't do it. And I said, well, if we believe that the Lord wants the church there, then he'll provide the funding somehow. If that is in fact what he wants, he will provide the funding somehow. No, and it became a real issue in the church. Well, so the church decided not to do it. And today, Canyon Ridge is sitting right over there. A great big old church is sitting. Because God intended for there to be a church there and he used somebody else to do it. You follow? You see, if God wants something to be done, he'll do it. And he can do it through you, but if, he, if you choose not to be a part of it, he'll do it with someone else. God's priorities are very different from human priorities. And they're always consistent with his holy word and led and guided by God the Holy Spirit. Secondly, spiritual deception is real and destructive. Just think of the Garden of Eden and what it has done to the entire human race. Just a little sin, just a little sin. What do they, they, they call those little white lies? So destructive. Self-denial, that, that's not popular today, is it? Person says, well, I was born this way. Right, that's what they say. I was, I was born this way. So the one person said, well, I was born a thief. That's why I steal. Isn't that right? Oh, but you see, when money's involved, what does the government say? No. No. Now you're touching our purse strings. That's what the politicians would say. We're going to hold you accountable. Oh, and what are these revelations that come out now about all these classified documents? Self-denial is not popular. Biblical and other historical personalities. Yeah, Moses. You'll recall that, that his mother, she denied herself the joy of having her child, of holding her own child in her arms because of the law that had been made was required, or it required that the Hebrews kill their sons, their baby boys. But she, she disobeyed that, that law. And she denied herself, and she put that little baby boy in a basket and sent him down the Nile River. 
God delivered Moses. He was raised as a, as a prince in the palace of the Pharaoh in Egypt. And he studied how to manage and how to lead, how to build, all of those things. God prepared him because there was a there was a job for Moses to do. But the Bible also goes on and it tells us this, that after Moses was grown, he learned his real identity. That he chose, he chose to leave the house of Pharaoh, to deny himself the riches and the wealth and the prestige and the power of the, of the palace of, of Pharaoh and to identify with his Hebrew brothers and sisters. He denied himself. Cross-bearing is a daily privilege and a choice. Early Christian example. What about the Apostle Paul and, and the Apostle Peter? And how about all of the other apostles? You see, we read the scripture and we, we read, oh, they live these, you know, these, these wonderful lives. Yeah, the Apostle Paul was beaten on several occasions, shipwrecked, arrested, whipped with, with, a, with a, uh, you know, a whip, beaten with rods, and in the end, his head was cut off. How many Christians today, you suppose, would be able to endure that over their lifetime? And yet that's coming. Yet that's coming. That's, that's what the Bible talks about. The Bible says that's in the future. You say, well, I haven't read that. <laughs> yeah? A life of devotion is Holy Spirit-led. It honors the Lord Jesus and it glorifies God. It seeks, to, it seeks to win others to the Lord. Now in that lesson, that Sunday school lesson we had this morning, you see, there's a difference between a person who... Who, who follows a bunch of religious rules and another person who truly loves the Lord. Because the person who loves the Lord also has a heart of compassion for others. Moves beyond pity. Compassion, compassion leads the person to do something on behalf to alleviate the suffering of someone else. And the reward, of course, that God has for his people is beyond human description. This life is filled with all kinds of suffering. But the Bible teaches that the suffering of this life is, is nothing to be compared with the joy and the reward that God has waiting for those who love him. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation, Living for Jesus. And the, the words here, living for Jesus, a life that is true, striving to please him in all that I do, yielding allegiance, glad-hearted and free. This is the pathway of blessing for me. Now, before we sing that, I want to encourage you to do something else. Because it's quite obvious that this world is waxing worse and worse. And the Bible says that's going to continue. It's going to continue. 
But you have children and you have grandchildren. Some of you have great grandchildren. And you have brothers and sisters and others that you know. I want to encourage you to make a commitment to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus with them. Those that you know are lost or, or maybe you're not sure if they're saved, share the gospel with them. We read a passage of scripture on Wednesday night and the Lord says to work while it is still day for the night is coming when no one can work. I believe it was over in England where a lady was on the sidewalk praying. She was just standing there praying. But because she was standing on the sidewalk in front of an abortion clinic, I think it was, they arrested her. And she was praying silently. And if I'm not mistaken, something like that has already happened in Canada. You're getting to the point where if you if you say something negative about those who are in power, then what do they do? Or what what do the socialists do? You can't you can't speak what you've been thinking. Or you're then arrested, and no one hears from you again. That's happened to people right here in the United States. And be very careful, I want to encourage you, be very careful what you put on Facebook and, and all those other social media outlets. Because those are all monitored by the government. We already know how that the FBI and Twitter, etc., how they, see, they'll choose what they'll allow to, to be made public, and then they'll hide other things. Because you probably didn't know that all of these classified documents now that have been discovered were actually discovered before the election. But they hid that. They didn't want the public to know. You see, that's that's deception. It's dishonest. Share the gospel with your children. <coughs> Share the gospel with your grandchildren, with your cousins. They need to know the Lord. And here's another reason why they, they need to hear the message. For even if they don't accept the Lord as their Savior, when the day comes and the church is taken out of the world, they are going to remember. And you don't know how many generations down. Share the gospel. Make a commitment to do that. Make a commitment to read through the Bible this year. Make a commitment to grow in the amount of time that you spend Pray, spending time alone with God. Your life will be the better for it. Let's stand, please, and let's sing. pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word, and we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.